The voice of reason. The voice of alarm. The voice of stats. The voice of scouts. The voice of Kool-Aid. The voice of dismay. The voice of Davo. The bipolar Royals strike again. Although typically this year they've been bipolar in more so of the fact that they'll win six of seven, lose six of seven, win eight, lose seven. But tonight the Royals see 11 pitches or less in each of the first seven innings against Southpaw James Paxton. No, you don't have to clean out your ears. You're hearing correctly. The Royals saw 11 pitches or less in each of the first seven innings against James Paxton. Of Seattle. Don't even know how you do that. But then the Royals see 18 in the eighth inning, put a two spot on the board thanks to a two out RBI single up the middle from Paulo Orlando. And then they rise from the dead completely in the ninth with a two spot. They walk it off on Salvi's double, four to three in game one of four versus the Mariners. And it's Dave Will. Glad you're along here on your dish. Clubhouse conversation, another edition where our player of the game has to be Salvador Perez. That's where we will begin tonight. Salvi, the big walk-off double against Steve Sidecheck, the closer of the Mariners. That caps a three-hit night for Salvi with a couple of RBIs and a run scored. Salvi fully moves past the 0-for-23 that's been plaguing him throughout the last week. It's out of the way. It's gone. Hopefully he catches fire now the next three days before the All-Star break. Paula Orlando, like I mentioned at the top there, the other big uh, hit tonight for the Royals. Two for three with that first pitch RBI single. Swung at the pitch, first pitch tonight on each of his at-bats. He loves that first pitch. I believe he's fifth in MLB in pitches seen, as in he swings right away. He wants to swing that bat, does Paula Orlando. And it was working early, kind of been through a lull. Hopefully tonight we'll get him going again, too, as he gets a couple of knocks off the lefty James Paxton. Otherwise... Besides those two guys, I mean, not much going on with the Royals' offense. Only one walk tonight by Alex Gordon. And I got a tweet at Royals Clubhouse. How concerned are you with Gordon right now? Not very. I know he's hitting an even 200. I know the OPS is under 700. He's having a poor season offensively. But don't forget that Alex has been battling some injuries throughout this year. And don't forget also that Alex has been playing some tremendous defense. We saw that hose that he had the other day. We saw a key home run that he had in the last road trip. Now, with that said, are those excuses? As in the he's been banged up. Yes, there's other excuses in the grand scheme. Everyone on this team is banged up this time of year. And Alex won't make any excuses. He knows he's not playing up to his potential. But am I concerned about him? No. People are like, oh, he's so old. Guys, he's 32. He's not that old. And he keeps himself in shape. He's essentially 28 or 29 in my book. I'm not concerned about Alex Gordon. Even if he ends up having a down year by his standards, which... The fact that we're you know over halfway home tells you he probably won't put up the numbers we know he can and will. I, I still think he's got plenty, plenty left in the tank going forward in the future as well. So, no, I'm not concerned about Alex Gordon. You get, for the most part, good at bats. I mean, the first, what, first six innings tonight, didn't he see almost half the Royals' pitches? It was something like 31% or something. I should have written that down. I figured it out at the time. The first six innings, he had the best at bats. I mean, he gives you good at bats. He has an approach up there. He's always been a guy who will strike out more than the typical player. But he has a plan, and he's waiting for a mistake. He goes up there looking for something. So you can't criticize the approach. You can't criticize the work ethic. And I think when healthy, and I think once he just puts a little bit of less pressure on himself, I think those first six weeks he was really trying to live up to the contract. Really do. I think he really pressed out of the gates. Then he got injured. Now he's coming back, and I think he'll be okay. He does look a lot more even-keeled out there. We're not seeing him argue with umpires like we did. 
uh, you know, saw him visibly frustrated when he hit into the Royals' fourth double play of the night there. That's one of the reasons the Royals saw the lack of pitches. You know, he tried to beat that shift on the left side and a great play at the backhand by Marte at shortstop that turns the two. And you saw a little bit of frustration from Alex there. But a guy who's much more even keeled since coming off the DL, I've noticed that. I think that's a big thing and a, a big pointer and a big thing that shows you that he maybe perhaps is not pressing as much compared to what he was earlier. So long answer uh, to the easy question, am I concerned about Alex Gordon? No. Uh, concern level, a three on a one to ten concern level right now. Now... The Royals, didn't they just seem like they were dead tonight? Did you think they were going to win tonight? I didn't. I didn't. I I did not have a good feeling about it. Typically, I can sense when the Royals are going to come back, and and sometimes I'm delusional and think they're going to win a game, and they don't. Or I still have a good feeling about it. I never had a good feeling about tonight. Just didn't. I, I didn't think the Royals even coming in would win tonight. And a big part of the reason they did, obviously, is Danny Duffy. And... I, I'm so excited to talk about this start tonight. Okay, so he comes off of two back-to-back eight-inning starts, does Duffy, right? Eight Ks each time he's striking out a hitter, a hitter per inning. Does the same tonight. Seven Ks and six and a third for Duffy. Gives up two runs on seven hits, walks only one. Now, here's some numbers for you. Danny Duffy now a 3.09 ERA, obviously going through the most consistent stretch of his big league career. It ain't even close. I mean, out of the rotation, at least. It's not even close. I mean, that's obvious. There's no That's really a hot take by me right there. Really going out on a limb with that analysis, right? But, I mean, you look at the last three games, for example, against some pretty damn good lineups, too. You got at St. Louis, one of the better offenses in the National League, although they don't really hit that well at home this year, which is kind of bizarre. You go at Toronto, and then you come home to Seattle. Those are some pretty high-powered offenses. In the last three games, Danny Duffy against those offenses, 23 innings, 23 Ks, one walk. Oh, my gosh, I could look at that all day. 23 innings, 23 Ks, one walk. The last three times out against three very good, definitely top 10 MLB offenses. In Seattle, Toronto, St. Louis. Duffy allows six runs over those 23 innings. Just two runs per start out there. Been very consistent. Seven, eight innings, two runs. A strikeout per inning, no walks or one walk. Yes, please. That's obviously all-star numbers if it's done over a good chunk of the season. So Duffy just continues to amaze ever since going into the stretch exclusively. Right? And ditching the curve. You know, ditching one of his breaking pitches. Going out of the stretch. Ever since then, he continues to just mow guys down. Some of it may be focus as well. We've heard him say he focuses more on one hitter at a time and not so much the big picture, not how many runs he's given up, not how many pitches he's thrown. And for a while we heard, well, he's going to quit trying to strike everybody out. But you know, and maybe that's maybe that's what's going on. I mean, because you always hear, you know, what what's the old famous George Brett story that he goes to spring training most years and talks to the minor leaguers and says, okay, how many people here have ever gone up to the plate trying to hit a home run, right? And all the minor league hitters raise their hand saying, yeah, we have. And then George will say, and how many of you have actually hit a home run when you go up there trying? And the hands come down, right? So it's almost like you try too much and it throws your mechanics off. Less is more a lot of times hitting. Perhaps that's the way it is with Duffy because you heard him say, I need to you know, cut down on the, on, the, on the deep counts. I need to quit trying to strike guys out. I need to utilize my defense. Well, now all of a sudden he's striking out more guys than he ever has, right? <laughs> so it's, it's kind of an interesting thing to look at. And obviously the success, another tweet at Rails Clubhouse, is Danny Duffy's success sustainable? Absolutely. Now, maybe not to this level. I'm not going to predict eight. You know, innings, seven innings, and a K per inning every time out. But certainly, if he's missing bats and not walking guys, then yes, obviously it's sustainable. Because so much, remember, guys, the majority of major league hitters hit around the 275 mark when balls are put in play. 
right? So about better than one out of four balls hit in play are going to find holes. So if you're walking guys in addition to that, you're going to be in some trouble. If you're not walking guys and you're missing bats, even when the hitters get on, maybe one, you know, one runner per inning, whatever it is, one runner every four at bats, whatever it is, if you're missing bats, it's going to be tough for those guys to get in if you're not walking guys. Right, So that's just a great sign from Danny Duffy. And yes, I do believe this is for real. And yes, I do believe the Royals have found their biggest success story of the year. It's obviously Duffy and Cuthbert to this point. Now, Joaquin Soria does give up the no-doubt blast to Nelson Cruz. But you know what? A lot of pitchers have given up no-doubt blast to Nelson Cruz. And a lot more will. So I don't feel too bad about that. Did give up two hits overall, but did strike out the side as well. The breaking pitch is working pretty well for Soria there in the eighth. And how about my boy Brooks Pounders? You heard from him on Clubhouse Conversation just a few weeks ago. Make sure you check out that interview here on clubhouseconversation.com. Click on current interviews. You'll find the chat with Brooks right here on the site. Learn all about him. What a great guy. And again, as I always say, a guy that I first got to talk to and got to know this year for the first time, but I've been meaning to talk to him for two years. I've been having his name brought up by all of his minor league teammates, and when I say all, literally probably 50% bring him up. When I when I mention who you're friends with in the organization, who do you think I should talk to next? It's almost always Brooks Pounders. So, a guy that's beloved by everybody, and it's so nice to see Big Slick, as some call him, get his first major league win tonight at the K. And, and how big was that ninth? One, two, three, right? Royals... Off that rally, down just one, he gets him one, two, three, and allows KC to ultimately get the walk-off win thanks to Salvador Perez. Now, the next three for the Royals, how does this series look? Because obviously it's a key series. You're battling with Seattle amongst three or four other teams for a wild card. Right now, Houston right in the mix. Even the Chicago White Sox are right in the mix. Detroit's right in the mix. A couple teams in the AL East. I mean, you just go through it. There's a number of teams, literally about half the American League right now, obviously, is technically in the wild card race. That's why it's still... Uh, I hate, like I always say, I hate talking playoff scenarios till August, but I will do it just for my own sanity because Cleveland has pretty much ran and hid, and, and I think Cleveland's going to win this division. I, before the season, I picked the Royals by two games, but deep down, I always thought Cleveland was the team to beat and that they could beat the Royals. Now, when Michael Brantley went down, that's why I picked them in second place. Uh, but Michael Brantley still could come back for Cleveland. That's their best hitter, not even in the lineup. No doubt the best rotation one through five in the American League Central, probably the American League. And if and when, I mean, the, the, the shortcomings with Cleveland, obviously, number one is defense. Number two, the bullpen is not particularly dominant. What if they go at Andrew Miller or Chapman from the Yankees? One of these stud relievers. What if they do that? to shorten games even more. What if they had two relievers? What if they try to copy Royals? Because remember, the most expensive thing to trade for to get is starting pitching. Cleveland doesn't have to get starting pitching. Cleveland is one of the few teams in it right now that's going to be adding that doesn't need starting pitching. They, they can just bypass starting pitching right now. Remember, I mean, one through five, I mean, Trevor Bauer wouldn't even be in their playoff rotation. He got hit pretty hard tonight, but he's a guy that's their four or five. Him and Tomlin wouldn't even be in their playoff rotation. And those are guys for the Royals that are probably number two or number three starters. I mean, you could arguably say number one starter, depending on what you think. Obviously not now with Duffy. I guess maybe minus Duffy. I mean, you could say those guys are equivalent to Volquez and Kennedy. Bauer and, and Tomlin I'm talking about. So arguably Cleveland four out of five spots is better than the Royals, for example. And not just to pick on the Royals. The good majority of the American League, Cleveland's better than at three of the five rotation spots. The lineup's producing a lot more. Tyler Quinn, the rookie, is having a, a huge year. You add Brantley back in there, they get a stud reliever and either a bat or another middle-tier reliever, like a Jason Frazier type. Wow, that's going to be a tough team to beat. So 
you know, I'm discussing kind of the whole wild card scenario where the Royals are right now, just because of the fact I'm trying to, you know, keep be cognizant the Royals are within two games of a wild card and have a big series now against Seattle, who's right behind them. So these are big games. Last time the Royals see Seattle head to head, the remainder of the season. So it'd be nice for the Royals if they could get three out of four, obviously, before the All Star break, and they really need to after that three and five poor showing on the road trip. Right, three and one, and then you drop four in a row. You, you got to come home and win three out of four of these against Seattle. And it was big to get that win tonight. Definitely big because you've got a couple of big question marks in the rotation going forward for tomorrow and Sunday. Let's get to those games. Although Seattle does have some question marks as well. A Taiwan Walker on the DL, no Felix Hernandez. So looking at tomorrow, it's Hisashi Iwakuma against Jordano Ventura. Iwakuma eight and six, a four four three. If he makes you shudder. He should, if you look based on the fact of his previous you know, matchups with the Royals, he's dominated them. We'll get to that here in about 30 seconds. He's not the same guy anymore, though. Ventura, though, isn't either. 6-6 six and six with a 5-2-6. Now, Iwakuma is my age. We're both 35, and I, I consider him old and, like, washed up. Does that mean I'm an old, washed-up radio host already at 35? Right? Do you ever? I don't know how old you are listening right now, but do you ever like, like think about baseball and like blush when you say, "Oh God, he's so old," and he's like 33, and you're like, "My God, I'm older than him." I'm way. Or, or in some cases, if you're 45, 50, 60 listening right now, you're like, "Man, he's so old," but I'm 30 years older. It's kind of odd thinking that way, isn't it? But Iwakuma, a bit of a journeyman, but yeah, dominated Casey in the past, to say the least. He's seen the Royals. But four times in his career, and is three and zero with a one point six one against KC. But it's not the same guy. Uh, I like to point out hitters of note sometimes in matchups. Eric Cosmer, four seventeen hitter against Iwakuma, a guy that's been kind of in a slump himself. Perhaps he can break out and go to Dongtown, as we affectionately call it on the Twitter tomorrow evening. Ventura tries to put the sprained ankle behind him, and just generally a, a horrible season for him. Four runs allowed in two and two-thirds against Philadelphia. The ERA is 5-2-6. You can't sugarcoat it. He's not giving the Royals the innings. There's been some signs of cracking with the emotions again. So it's been a miserable first half for Yodana Ventura. It'd be nice if he could go out there and give the Royals six innings of three-run ball. I do think KC can score against Ibakuma. I like the Royals in this matchup, if and only if Ventura can be decent. And so I don't want to, uh, you know, if I wouldn't. let's put it this way. If I was in Vegas right now, I would not bet on this game. I just wouldn't touch it tomorrow night. If I were going to touch it, if I had a gun to my head, I would take the Royals. But I wouldn't bet on the Royals. But I do like them slightly coming up tomorrow night. I think they'll get that job done, assuming Ventura's decent. And you need some length out of him, really, especially when you get towards Sunday. The good thing is the Royals get four days off, so even if their bullpen gets torched the next few days, they'll be able to get things restocked and 100% going into the second half. Now, Saturday, a pretty good matchup that I think favors the Royals. So they can get tomorrow, I really like where they're at. Because you've got lefty Wade Miley affectionately known as Cy Miley after his outing earlier this year. He's 6-5 and five with a 5-3-6, so he's not good either. Edson Volquez, 7-8, a 4-8-7. You take out that one miserable start, which you obviously can't do, where Volquez had arguably the worst start in Major League history, 11 earned and 1+. plus. He's right around three nine five right now. So then you'd be you know you'd be saying he's been a pretty good season for the Royals, been decent. You like you'd like Volquez to be like in the three six three seven five range realistically. So the ERA is not going to be there because of that one outing, but he can certainly get that back down in the you know four three four two range realistically going forward the rest of the season, which you would take at this point if you are the Royals. Now Miley, the Royals did see him. If that sounds familiar, they saw him back on April thirtieth. You're right about that. 
And against the Royals, much like Ibakuma, he's been good career-wise. 4-1, and one, a 2-9-1 over five starts. Last time out, though, April 30th, complete game, five-hit shutout against the Royals with four Ks and no walks. I, I look for the Royals to utilize this big ballpark, take him the opposite way all night, batter him around, should say all afternoon, it's a 3-15 game on Saturday, and get that W on Wednesday or on Saturday. Now you've got Edson Volquez coming off two good outings against two good teams. Six and two-thirds shutout against St. Louis. Six-plus a four-run ball at Toronto. Like the Royals getting it done on Saturday. Sunday, you got to lean Seattle. You can't keep these bats down all weekend. Going to likely be a glorified bullpen day for the Royals. The Royals will throw either Dylan G or Brian Flynn. Certainly Chris Young could see some innings in that game. You know, two or three innings if they need him. That could be a Chris Young type of game. Suppose he'd be available probably on Saturday to throw a few innings as well if they needed him. That's the good news is now Young is available as a long man starting on Saturday. Give him one more full day of rest before you can put him back in that category. But Mike Montgomery, former Royal, part of that Wade Davis trade. I've shifted from calling it the James Shields trade to the Wade Davis trade. But yeah, part of that deal. Montgomery, if if you shudder a bit when you think of him, well, that's because he shut out the Royals last year with 10 Ks. (laughs) Remember that game, June 23rd last year at Safeco? 10 Ks and a shutout, five-hit style against the Royals, his first start against his former team last year. But that was last year. This is now. and This will be his first start of the year for Montgomery, who replaces the aforementioned Taiwan Walker in that rotation spot. So in a way, kind of a bullpen game for both teams. And that's always the game where both teams swing at the first pitch because of the All-Star breaks coming up. Although for the, in the case of the Royals, that's not really any different than the other day. So there you go. Uh, but yeah, Montgomery, the two one five he has this year is in fifty and a third relief innings. Last year in sixteen starts, four and six with a four point six zero. Obviously, the Royals probably will go Dylan G tomorrow or on Sunday, but we shall see. Man, I'm all messed up on my days today. I keep calling things Saturday, Sunday, Wednesday, whatever the hell day it is. Have a good night. Go Royals! Back with you again this weekend, and be looking for an interview with the current Royal very soon as well on Clubhouse Conversation. Thanks for listening, and go Royals!